0: Welcome back in Brady Farkas show right here on this Thursday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVRadio.com. I announced this with full transparency to the listeners. I am taping this interview in advance today with our friend ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney. So, you know, when this airs live, the Mariners will be playing the Astros. But as of now, I'm not in a bad mood because nothing's happened yet. So, Buster, welcome in. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I think it's smart of you to tape this ahead of time when you're still functioning. Yeah. Because if they fall behind early, you'll be in a cocoon. We'll be sending the you know the the truck for you, uh, the straitjacket, all of those things after that uh, that terrible game one loss. So very smart professionally by you. And on a personal level, I feel for you.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Let me let me ask you a question related to that game one. So the Dodgers dominated the Padres all regular season. The Astros have dominated the Mariners for years and then obviously crushed them on Tuesday. How much of the playoffs is about physical ability versus overcoming a mental edge that a team may have on you?
1: Well, it can be all the above, uh, you know, in various combinations. I don't I don't think it's necessarily a binary choice, and, and you're right. When you watch the Padres against the Dodgers, uh, you know the history between the teams. I will tell you this. Like, I was around the Padres over the weekend, and they were loose. Like, and I talked to Manny Machado about that. I was like, man, you, you look like you're having fun. Like, you seem like you're having a great time. Jerks and Profar uh you know juan soto same thing so I, and and by the way alex cora red sox manager was on my podcast earlier this week and i mentioned that to him because he saw the padres up close too he said i saw the same thing so i, I don't think either alex nor i was uh, surprised by the fact that the padres you know beat the mets and and they uh, you know off to a good start in this Dodgers series i'm not around your mariners I would say, you know, I felt like that they played with a lot of confidence in game one. Um, I, but I do think they have to overcome that, uh, the, the fact that, the, you know, the Astros have so much more experience and they have so much success against them.
0: What's the most we – d- we did a lot of this yesterday on the show, and, and the Tuesday loss for me was bad. It is not the most devastating loss I've ever experienced as a fan. As a fan, what's the most devastating loss you've ever endured?
1: Boy, uh, well, in 1978, I was 14 years old. The Dodgers had lost the 77 World Series to the Yankees. Uh, Reggie Jackson hit all those home runs. And so in 78, the Dodgers win game one and they win game two. Hmm. And all of my friends at uh, you know Randolph uh, Union High School, who were Yankee fans, uh, they were, you know, I, I went back, and then those games were played on a Saturday and a Sunday. I went back to school on Monday, and I doubled down on every bet. <laughs> and I had bets going with everybody. I doubled it down. And then the Yankees come back. Greg Nettles makes a bunch of plays at third base. Uh, they win game three. Then they win game four. Uh, and by game five, I'm in a, in a cocoon. And yeah. I'm just devastated. And I got to show up, and I got to pay everybody twice the, bet, the amount <laughs> of the bets that I made. And so you can tell, by the way, I'm relating all of these details that this has been worked through in therapy <laughs> over the last uh, you know, uh, 44 years. And so I hope you feel for me I, over that 78 World Series loss to the Yankees.
0: It's crazy because 78 is the thing that keeps coming back for a lot of people. Most of our listeners yesterday, 78 Red Sox-Bucky Denton home run was their most terrifying fan moment.
1: Yeah, I never quite pieced that together. Uh, I should have never bet as heavily on the Dodgers as I did in that World Series, because uh, I was rooting. I, I, I hated the Yankees at that time. I was rooting against them in that Red Sox playoff game, uh, and I think I've told you the story that you know I, I uh, you know was excited to watch that one playoff game, and in the, in the second inning. All of our cows broke out, and so I missed like three innings of that game trying to herd our cows back oh into God. our
0: into our uh, pastures. Oh no! See, I had not heard that story. That is a classic. Um, hey, speaking of kind of Red Sox and the Mariners, Astros, Jordan Don Alvarez. When I see him, all wow. I see is a slimmer David Ortiz. Are other people making that comparison or am I grasping at straws? Because that's the guy I see just with a, you know, a better physique.
1: Yeah, I wish I had been adept enough to see that and use that comparison, but I think you're exactly right. You know, back in June, I had a conversation with Alex Cintron, who's the the hitting coach for the, the Astros, and he said that, you know, and Alex is a smart guy, knows hitting so well, and he said, Look, I think right now he's the best pure hitter in baseball Hmm. when he was talking about combination of power and average and uh, command of the strike zone and the knowledge that was being applied, which is why I was shocked the other day when Robbie Ray just threw him
0: fastballs.
1: You're like, you can't throw a hitter that good fastballs down the the middle of the strike zone and expect you're going to get away with it.
0: Buster on the ESPN MLB insider. I'm just trying to block that out, so I'm not even going to address yeah, that. Yeah. I, I Buster with us here on the Brady Farkas show. You look, I understand why it's being done, so we can have baseball every day and so TV networks can maximize their exposure. I understand it, but what do you make of the AL having an off day yesterday and then potentially having no travel day at all between games four and five? Again, I do get it financially, but it seems odd.
1: Uh, yeah there's no doubt it is odd, and if you're the the mariners you're the guardians um you're looking at the schedule after you lose game one and you're like come on let 's go it 's baseball we gotta you know you need to get in the rhythm of these series, but i uh, I mean the the fact is is it, it's uh you know it's it's because of the agreement that they have with their broadcast partners the same reason why the World Series games start late. you know people every year will talk about why not play the games earlier so you can reach a younger demographic. And it always comes back to money. And that's the reality in in Major League Baseball. It's a reality in the NBA to reality in the Super Bowl. That's just how it is. That's how it's always going to be.
0: You know, I it's going to take years for us to have a big enough sample size to come up with a definitive answer here, but how do you think the bye week for these top two seeds is going to affect teams? We saw the Braves lose game one. We saw the Astros really get outplayed and look rusty for at least seven of those first nine innings. I know the Yankees won. I know the Dodgers won their game ones, but what do you think of the bye week and kind of how teams res- will respond to it?
1: Well, we'll always have our analysis based on through the prism of the result, right? So when a team has a layoff and they lose the series, like let's say the Dodgers lose the Padres, that's going to be part of the conversation. Did the Dodgers have too many days off? Did it take them out of the rhythm? Um, I come back to this. I was talking about this with my son, who's a crazy Braves fan, and he was complaining after game one about the Braves layoff, and I said, Jake, if... You know, even if we go through this year and next year we go into the playoffs and you gave the number one and number two seeded choice of which path they would rather go, what do you think they're going yes. to say? Yes. And he goes, of course they would take the bye every 100 times out of 100 to rest their guys, you know, to deal with nagging injuries and to save themselves from having to wear down pitchers. Now, the Braves are, you know, they, they lost game one, but they came back last night and won in game two, and the Phillies already have stressed their bullpen. And that's not something the Braves have to worry about to this point. Um, and, and that's why, in the end, while we might debate the whole question of rust versus uh, you know, uh, rest, um, in the end, teams that are the higher seeds are going to want those days off.
0: You know, we heard this narrative for years in Boston here with David Price. We then heard it, you know, previous to that with Clayton Kershaw in L.A., about top-paid and, and, you know, highly regarded pitchers struggling in the playoffs. Through that prism, how important was Garrett Cole's Game 1 start for the Yankees?
1: Huge. Absolutely enormous. Because I do feel like, uh, you know, that he was beginning to stress on himself. and, And, you know, I had A.J. Hinch, the Tigers manager, and who was Garrett's manager in Houston, uh, on the podcast that I do on Wednesday, and he completely agreed with me, with my read on it, and he talked about uh, how Garrett is a perfectionist. And, you know, so Garrett wants things to, you know, to go right, and he could tell that when Garrett, you know, was, would be upset by an umpire's call, that, you know, that that was an indicator of how Garrett was feeling in a given day. So given all that, given the fact that he basically was on double-secret probation with the Yankee fans after losing... That playoff game, wildcard game, to the Red Sox last year. I thought it was huge, and especially getting credit because he he didn't look good early on. You know, he fell behind. The the Guardians had runner on runners on base, and, and Garrett worked through that, and uh, he won. So I do think it was an important step.
0: You mentioned having Alex Cora on your podcast recently. Did you get glean any uh, good Red Sox info for us as we head towards the off season?
1: Um, uh, you know, uh, we mostly had him on, I had him on to actually to talk about, uh, our friend, Sarah Lane. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had him drop in on that. I would say, you know, based on what I'm hearing from around baseball, you know, a lot of what they're focused on is, is trying to toughen up for, uh, for next year. And, you know, it's pretty clear from my conversation with Alex, it was really, not happy with the way this year played out and I also think he doesn't think they're that far away, Brady like they don't he's not looking at this team as being like way out of it. Um, I, I think he believes that with a few fixes in the right places that he's going to be in a good spot.
0: I actually agree with him 100%, and I've talked about that at length. I'll get you out of here on this. The Red Sox are in an interesting spot right now with Alex Verdugo because if you go back to last offseason, the Red Sox traded Hunter Renfro at basically the exact same spot in Verdugo's career. I've just always assumed Verdugo is going to be back and he's going to be a corner outfielder for them. Could you see the Red Sox trying to move on from Verdugo in the same way they moved on from Renfro last year? I
1: think they'd be crazy to do it. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, and look, Heimblum is, you know, he's going to make his evaluations and they'll front office will make their evaluations. And they understand that, you know, he's now climbing the arbitration scale. And so this is why they traded Renfro. They, they weighed his uh, potential salary, uh, you know, against uh, alternatives and what they would get in returning trade. And they made that decision. Turned out to be a really bad one. Uh, I think that, you know, Verdugo is an important part of the team because the energy that he plays with every day, I, I told you before, I, I you know, really love him as a, uh, as a player uh, and what he brings to the table every day. And I think he's one of those guys who, as he goes along with his career, he's going to apply his knowledge and become a better player. I think he's going to evolve because he burns to get better. Um, and I, I would not want to be the team that traded him now when it feels like he, you know, because of his skills, if, uh, you know, he has a chance to turn a corner here. And he's so good defensively, even if he's a subpar uh, offensive player, I, I think he's going to bring value because of his defense. We've seen the Dodgers make that evaluation with Cody Bellinger.
0: Buster, I appreciate you. Hopefully, by the time this airs, the Mariners are uh, not in the process of blowing it or just being out and out blown out, but uh, we'll see what happens. So, Buster, I appreciate well, you as always.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, and if uh, if I don't hear from you next week, that uh, I'll know that's because the Mariners lost, and you just needed to go away in a cave someplace. <laughs>
0: we'll see. We'll see if I start using my vacation next week, Buster. I appreciate you.
1: Thanks, Brady.